0: This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate
1: eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the
0: founders of Brightly.Eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small.
1: And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightlyego podcast.
0: And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world.
1: This episode is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. Laura, you've probably heard me talk all the time about my love for Sheets and Giggles. I've been sleeping on their new sustainable eucalyptus sheets for the past eight months straight. I recommend them a thousand percent. Every week I wash them and put them back on the bed right away. They're my go-to sheets. All of my other sheets, even the ethical ones, are taking a long break. After hearing you rave about them for so long, Lisa, I
0: finally got a chance to try their new eucalyptus comforter. So I'm a weirdo. I really like having a comforter on my bed all the time, even when we have the heat blasting. I haven't woken up once hot while I was using this one from Sheets and Giggles. It's a great ethical and sustainable alternative to the down comforter we used to use that's now sitting on our guest bed. Another thing I love about Sheets and Giggles is that they don't use plastic packaging and the materials don't use pesticides, so they're kind to our animal and insect friends.
1: They also plant a tree for each sheet set that is sold, and they're passionate about giving back. They give 10% off to customers who donate their old sheets to homeless shelters, and they have donated over $40,000 to Colorado COVID relief. Good Together
0: listeners get 15% off by using the code BRIGHTLYECO at
1: SheetsGiggles.com. Zero-waste living seems complicated, but the good news, it doesn't have to be rocket science. Today's guest is Anita van Dijk, a qualified rocket scientist, medical doctor, and the author of two books on zero-waste living. During the episode, she shares simple tips that make sustainable living easy, including how to build your own zero-waste kit. You'll also learn how living minimally benefits you and the planet. Hi, Good Together listeners. Welcome to the new episode of our podcast. And today it's a fun one. Um, Today I'm talking with Anita van Dijk, a rocket scientist, but also an avid zero waster. Anita is actually a qualified rocket scientist. I'm not making this up. She graduated with a Bachelor of Engineering in Aeronautical Space um, and runs a successful Instagram account called Rocket Science. Uh, Anita also has written two books about zero waste life. As Zero Waste Life, a 30-day guide. And her new book is called A Zero Waste Family. So, Anita, without further ado, I would love for you to introduce uh, yourself to our listeners.
2: Yes, hi. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, I am all those wonderful things that you mentioned. It's making me blush. Uh, Thank you for singing out my accolades. But most importantly, I'm a citizen of this earth, like you and I are. And I'm really passionate about making a change that is long lasting and sustainable. I really truly believe in my motto, which is sustainability has to be sustainable for you. And I talk about this in both my books. So for me, this environmentalism is a huge passion of mine. My day job is, yes, I was formerly a rocket scientist, so um, aeronautical space engineer, but I'm also an MD. So I've just recently graduated. I'm also a junior doctor working in the public health system. So I'm juggling a lot of things, including motherhood. I have a two-year-old daughter as well. And all those things combined really has given me a new kind of um, energy to tackle this environmentalism movement and forward forward. Um, our place in the world and make things better so that we can live in a better world for my daughter.
1: I love it. I love it. it uh, having kids, indeed, I, I don't have kids yet, but I can only imagine that things it puts things into perspective in a very different perspective, right? And um, I first wanted to start with a little bit more about kind of your biography and how you kind of transitioned from a scientist, a rocket scientist, uh, into, you know, zero waste. And now you're a medical doctor. It's very fascinating to me, and I would love to learn kind of how you found your way. Well, I
2: think I was like any other, you know, 20-something year old climbing the corporate ladder. I was working as an engineer in the aerospace energy uh, industry and I was climbing that corporate ladder thinking that the key to success was money. Power status. And these are common things that we strive towards in this modern Western world. Um, My background is I'm a Chinese Australian. I immigrated with my family when I was four years old. And we lived upon this notion that capitalism was amazing, that if you wanted success in the world, you had to show your success by buying more things. And at the age of 27, climbing up the corporate ladder, I was a manager at a large engineering firm. And I looked around me and I saw my boss, my big boss, and the big, big boss, and I thought to myself, do I want to be these people in 5, 10, 15 years' time? And the resounding answer was no. And with that realisation, I really had to pare back my understanding of what success meant to me and what it really means to truly live a zero-waste life. And, and that's how my journey began.
1: Yeah, and that's that's very interesting. And I I love asking people kind of how their careers change because a lot of our listeners are actually very young people. Some are still in high school, even some are just starting college or just graduating college. So many of our community members are interested in sustainability careers but don't really know how to get there. Um, but yeah, it's kind of all up to you, right? Like just kind of thinking really hard what's important to you, and I can't agree more with you about you know those status symbols that we might maybe have grown up with right um but if they don't mean anything to you you absolutely should not be you know uh going after them go after what you want and what you're passionate about
2: yeah, I think we live in a world where we're inundated by what success means. Like I think mm-hmm. a lot of us value money, status, and we look at social media to reflect back our values. But really, at the end of the day, um, you know, a Rolex watch isn't going to give you more time. A Fendi handbag isn't going to carry um you know, your troubles and your emotions and your internal life, all those things are superficial things. And I really had to go on a bit of a soul searching journey to understand that what are my values? What does success look like to me? And how can I make this world a better place rather than just consume?
1: exactly exactly and yeah the, all of this kind of material things they also really won't bring you happiness uh you know not just time well let's talk about uh maybe uh, a thing a theme that our community is very passionate about but you know just generally it's waste right all of the ways that our society has created because uh in many cases because of overconsumption, because we are going after things that are really not that important as we think they were. They are. So let's talk about the kind of waste problem in general. Can you kind of formulate your thinking about, you know, why you went into zero waste and how you became aware of all the wastefulness of the society?
2: Well, I think the zero waste movement um, comes with a kind of minimalistic approach to consuming. And I came from an economic sense. So when I had to do this soul searching journey, I had to quit my job and I had to live on one income, my husband's income, and we had to make ends meet on this one income and no longer was I living that high-flying lifestyle. I really had to pare back, and I went back to the frugal and ultimately very environmentally friendly measures that my migrant parents taught me. So they came from a generation where plastic isn't everywhere like it is now. Yep. They didn't live a lifestyle of convenience. They made ends meet and they make do and mend, like, you know, that old World War II mentality. So that's what I went back to, this kind of simple living, but also living more frugally and incidentally living more environmentally friendly. And the waste problem is a huge problem. Here in Australia and much of the Western world, we're no longer able to ship our recycling to um, developing nations such as China. For it to be recycled. So a lot of the plastic that we're consuming sits in landfill and contributes to methane gas. So the recycling industry is actually causing a, is, is in a collapse and hopefully in a sort of revolution and reformation. But also at the same time, we're consuming more than we've ever had in the known industrial age. And this kind of cycle of consumption, whether it be plastic, Um, whether it be food waste, whether it be, you know, um, uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, causing greenhouse gas emissions, whatever it may be, every little thing that we're doing is actually causing a detrimental effect to our planet. And, you know, as a young person in my 20s, I was shocked by the statistics. There'll be more plastic in the seas than fish by 2050. That's a shocking Yeah, I was
1: shocked by this statistic. It's it's insane to think about.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of naive of us to think that we're not all interconnected. So, you know, the lovely body scrub that you might get, which contains microplastics and microbeads that you wash down the drain, it then goes into our waterways, which then gets eaten by fish and then the fish bioaccumulates up the food chain in terms of the small fish eat the bigger fish and that plastic bioaccumulates and where does it end up it ends up in us so it's 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 all interrelated and we really have a have to have a better understanding of how our waste contributes to more than just going to landfill
1: absolutely i can't agree more you know because sometimes when we talk about sustainability not sometimes most of the time we truly say that sustainability is not just environmental issue it's not their workers right issue or plastic issue it's all interconnected so if you want to eat healthy but you say you don't really care about the environment or plastic pollution you might you have to rethink uh, your ways right
2: oh absolutely i think the older i get and since I've had a daughter, I've realized that we're all interconnected, interdependent, and also interrelated in terms of all our relationships and the symbiosis that we have on this planet. It's really naive of us to think that, you know, what we do here in Australia isn't going to affect what we do in, say, San Francisco. It's all connected. And I think as a global movement, we, yeah, sure, we have to act locally, but we also have to think globally.
1: Exactly. No, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Well, um, I'm super excited to talk to you about your zero waste and kind of frugal life tips. I know a lot of, as I just mentioned, a lot of our audience members are students, so you know that's, they don't necessarily have a lot of income to spend on the latest and greatest eco-friendly product find, right? So a lot of Brightly content and uh, that's why we, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. We actually think very similarly in terms of, you know what, the most sustainable thing probably you can do is not to buy something new, but use what you have. And guess what? It's super good for your wallet. Um, and but before we get into it, let's. Uh, I want to put you know this whole kind of the waste um, waste problem into perspective with a few more numbers uh, besides the ones that you have uh, mentioned. So in 2018, that's a U.S. statistic. About 14, uh, no, not 14, 146.1 million tons of municipal solid waste were landfilled. Food. And we always talk about food waste here, but yeah, food was the largest component of this number at about uh, 24%. And plastics uh, accounted for about 18%. And paper and paperboard made up uh, about 12%. And rubber, leather, textiles comprised over 11%. And this is from EPA. Other materials accounted for less than 10%. So yeah, very interesting food, plastics, and all of the other materials. 146 million waste, solid waste in just one year and then for worldwide statistics across 194 countries the researchers found that the world produces 2.3 billion tons of municipal solid waste each year and the number to put it into perspective This is enough to fill 822,000 Olympic-sized pools. And that's from a global citizen. So the problem is there. We are contributing to this problem. Um, You know, again, we try to stay positive here whenever we are sharing this content. There's no reason for us to be scared by these numbers. We need to educate ourselves and to realize this problem, right? But what can we do? So let's start with this. Um, How kind of... Where did you start on your zero-waste journey when you kind of realized that problem?
2: I think the easiest way to begin is to do a trash bin audit. So before your bins are taken out or your rubbish bins, I think that, um, you know, your trash is taken out. It's the American term. Um Go through your bin and actually do an assessment of what are the frequent flyers in your bin. Is it food waste? Is it plastic packaging? Is it clothing tags? What is actually coming into your home and what are you throwing away? From there, you can start making changes. So for me, it was a lot of takeaway packaging. It was a lot of food waste. And you can start making those steps towards channeling um, new ways of thinking get your zero waste engineering, creative brain working and making changes in your everyday life. And I call these small changes making a big cumulative difference. So the first thing that you might wanna do is put together a zero waste kit. So zero waste kit is what I have in all my handbags, backpacks, whatever it may be. And it's a kit that contains um, a, a reusable straw, a reusable drink bottle, a reusable coffee cup, and also a reusable tote bag. All those things go into a handy um, cotton bag, which I transfer from bag to bag, or I can leave in my cart to grab and go. And that little zero waste kit will reduce your waste automatically when you're out and about by 80% already. And in these COVID times, it's actually really sensible to bring your own products and use the things that you know are clean rather than taking products that are single use or, you know, you don't know where they've been before. So it's actually a really handy, you know, economical tip and a safety tip
1: as well. I love it. I love the, you know, the trash audit, trash bin audit first and then building your own zero waste kit. That This is a great advice. Um, so, um, yeah, let's talk a bit more about kind of living frugally. Um what are some of your kind of top tips in terms of, you know, how to be a zero waste person on a budget? Like what are the things to do and not to do?
2: Yeah. So I have a great series on my Instagram, Rocket underscore science called budget versus investment. Love it, love it. Yeah, and it's I love it because I want to show people that zero waste living and living sustainably is not about buying new stuff. Um, I don't know about you, but a lot of people think that when you adopt a new lifestyle, you have to almost like buy a new outfit and buy new stuff to take on this new look and new, um, you know, new, new, new personality almost, Mm -hmm. but you know, when we're not living in a Barbie costume change world. (laughs) You know, you can just start by living more frugally by using what you already have. And that is the most sustainable option for you. So let's give a great example, which I show on my Instagram. Instead of buying a reusable coffee cup, you can just use a glass jar, which you have in your home, and wrap a cloth napkin around it with a um, an elastic band, and there you go. So it insulates the glass, it keeps you from holding the glass and preventing your hands from getting burnt when holding a hot drink, and it's also waterproof. So with the lid, it's waterproof. Like there's all your, your reusable coffee cup already. You don't need to spend $20 on a new cup. You can just use what you have, a glass jar in your own home.
1: This episode is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles, a company with a punny name, but a seriously sustainable mission to make better betting for everyone. We started partnering with Sheets and Giggles earlier this year, and the positive reviews from our community keep coming in.
0: I've been on a hunt for sustainable betting for a long time now until Brightly actually recommended Sheets and Giggles. I would highly recommend, the material is great, Uh, I personally tend to get hot at night and my boyfriend tends to get cold, so it definitely serves as a happy medium, highly recommend. I also get hot at night, and I found that after sleeping with Sheets and Giggles moisture wicking sheets over the past few months, I can't remember the last time I woke up overheated. I love my Sheets and Giggles sheets, they're my absolute favorite. Not only because they're super-duper soft, but they are sustainably and ethically made out of eucalyptus.
1: Yep, I love that our scout Ashley called out how soft the sheets and giggle sheets are. Plus, the eucalyptus that is in their 400-thread count sheets is grown without incesticides or pesticides. They also just launch a bunch of new colors, and I can't choose between navy blue and red. Help me!
2: Sheets and Giggles bedding is super lightweight and soft, and they really nail it on
0: zero-waste packaging. We recommend Sheets and Giggles for the softest, most sustainable sleep out there. Good Together listeners get 15% off at checkout by using the code BRIGHTLYECO at sheetsgiggles.com.
1: Oh my god, Laura, I just had my favorite vegan lunch ever. It was a green Thai curry. That sounds amazing, but what's your secret? I feel like plant-based meals have always
0: been a pipe dream for me. I've been trying to cut down on my meat consumption, but I really don't have time to
1: think up and prepare filling, tasty vegan meals. Same here. I've been participating in a vegan cooking challenge with the Bridley community, and I feel like I've totally failed. Seriously. (laughs) I feel like I've learned so many more meatless recipes this year, but when it comes to vegan cooking, I'm still very much intimidated. So when Thistle reached out to us, it was the perfect timing. Thistle's plant-forward meals
0: are seriously tasty and are delivered ready to go on your doorstep. Right now, they're just on the West Coast, but they're adding more locations. Anyway, I was really surprised at how filling and super creative the meals are. The spices and the sauces they include are really
1: unique and tasty. I loved how fresh everything was as well, given that it's mostly vegetable-based. Laura, I know both you and I love to cook, especially during the pandemic, but it's been a great addition to our weekly routines. It's a quick alternative to takeout lunches between Zoom calls. Absolutely. Thistle is
0: plant-based eating on autopilot. You don't even have to think about it, and bam, you're eating better for the planet. Good Together listeners can get $100 off with the code BRIGHTLY at thistle.co. That's T-H-I-S-T-L-E dot co.
1: I love it. I love it. And yeah, uh, thank you for mentioning your Instagram. Um, I've actually, one of the reasons how we found you, I think a couple of weeks ago, if not longer, I've seen one of those posts and I was like, wow, that's so similar to what we are here at Brightly doing too. Well, I have an interesting question for you. I believe uh, I've seen it on your website. Yeah, you, you say it very clearly. I used to be a maximalist, right? So what does it mean? I think you were a fashionista too. So I'm curious. Was it hard for you to change your kind of fashionista behavior, Uh, kind of say no to the newest Fendi or Chanel bag or whatever else uh, you were buying before?
2: Yeah, so I lived before as as an end of this other end of the spectrum, which was I was an absolute maximalist which is different to where I am now, which is a minimalist. Um, But maximalism for me was about, you know, having the latest things, thinking that I needed Mm -hmm. to keep up with the Kardashians, wearing the latest logos. But, But at the same time, it wasn't really about style. It was more about status. So for me now, I still love fashion and I still love style, but by minimizing my possessions, having a smaller wardrobe and also buying everything I want secondhand, I actually am more fashionable and more stylish than ever before because I'm actually getting creative with what I already have in my wardrobe. So for me there are some simple tips. I mean we all like to look good and we like to you know wear the latest thing but I would suggest to you You can create the latest style by firstly shopping in your own wardrobe. So look in your wardrobe and get creative. It could be adding a lovely scarf or adding some cool brooches or mixing together a new belt, whatever it may be. You can mix and match outfits with what you already have and you can look super stylish. My second tip is to embrace the circular economy. So that means buying secondhand or borrowing clothing, or, um, you know, adopting a a consignment store where you can borrow clothes and buy things um, fairly cheaply. The great thing about secondhand is that the resources have already been used to make the product. So you're not using virgin resources. And secondly, you can tend to get a lot of luxury brands for a fraction of the cost. Like a lot, you know, websites such as eBay or Poshmark, or or even, um, you know, try your local thrift store such as Goodwill. I mean, San Francisco, I I used to live there, and um, I still frequently go back. Has some of the best. Goodwill's I've ever seen anywhere in America. Like, (laughs) you know, no longer a fashion, you know, store such as Goodwill, you know, seasons out of touch where, you know, it's your grandmother's clothing. It's no longer like that. When you go to your local thrift store, it's actually only items which are a couple of weeks old sometimes because fashion turnover is so uh, frequent now. You know, in our grandmother's generations, it was only four seasons a year. And that's when the clothing seasons also came out. But now we have 52 seasons a year where clothing stores bring out new things every week. And you see that reflected in the thrift stores as well. So that's my second tip there. And thirdly, if you do want to buy something new, I suggest buying from a brand that aligns with your values. So know where Um, the garment is made, how it's made. Is it made ethically? Is it made sustainably? Ask those questions and save for those items that you really want.
1: I love it love it and can't agree more with you yes San Francisco has, has a tons of options for thrifters um it, it, I love to mention for California based people I think I'm not sure if it's all over California but in San Francisco Crossroads if you know that yeah, one, it's a I great used to, one yeah I love Crossroads yeah it's very fashionable I was actually now I realized uh, after you explain kind of how thrift stores are super trendy these days it's not nothing from past years because I had a bunch of dresses I was not wearing and I brought them to Crossroads and I, they literally did not take any single thing i even had something very like new looking or something i haven't even ever worn and they turned me down because it was not trendy enough so they are looking for uh, you know latest uh, brands latest trends um which is yeah um i had to kind of deal with the uh, the rest of the products in some other creative way but um now i understand why they did that so thanks for explaining that yeah um Let's talk about minimalism a bit more. Uh, what it means to you? Why is it important to you? I mean, I know it's very important. We kind of understand why zero waste minimalism. Um, but let's talk maybe about minimalism benefits to the planet. Um, maybe some specific examples.
2: Yeah, so for, minimalism for me is living with intention. It means living more mindfully and being conscious of the impact that you have towards your mental health, and how it reflects in your external environment, and also the world around you. So for me, minimalism doesn't necessarily mean just white walls, and blank spaces, and you know, black turtlenecks. It means just having enough so that you are satisfied with what you have. And for each person, that might be different. It might be, you know, you you think you're a minimalist, but you have lots and lots of books. And that's okay. If that's what makes you happy, then go for it. So living minimally is living with intention and with that comes a sense of responsibility in knowing how you spend your money is a vote for the future that you want. So everything I do and everything I spend, I have to think and have a pause about it. There's no kind of, you know, impulse shopping or um, fast fashion or even fast food. All those decisions of fast, fast and convenience are really detrimental to ourselves our mental and physical health, but also the health of the planet. If you think about it, this fast, you know, fast industry is a turnover of high resources, high energy, high outputs, high resources in terms of, you know, um, you know, greenhouse gases and things like that. And it's really detrimental to the environment. We need to slow down our consumption. We need to slow down down our fashion. We need to slow down our food. And in doing so, we are living more mindfully and living more minimally. And that's my definition of minimalism. And that's also the beginning steps of how you can live more minimally. For me, it started with a decluttering challenge. And for me, that was because I had to do an assessment of all the things I had in my home So I have a three-day decluttering challenge in my book, A Zero Waste Life, and it goes through the steps of how you can look at all the things in your home and assess them for their value. Do you really need, you know, a 100, you know, different types of shoes? Do you really need, um, you know, seven types of white T-shirts? It's understanding how much you already have and then pairing back to what You really want, really need, and what you really admire. And in doing so, you slow down your consumption. You actually begin to appreciate the things you already have, and therefore, when you next buy an item, you go, Oh, actually, I don't really need that. Because the issue with overconsumption is more than just that it affects our wallet, it also affects our mental state as well. You know, we spend a lot of mental energy. Categorizing, maintaining, um, spending our life energy on looking after stuff, and what is this stuff? Stuff isn't going to keep you warm at night. Stuff isn't going to make you feel better. But we, as a you know modern uh, Western world, we think that by buying more things, getting that dopamine hit, de- getting that adrenaline rush, will make you feel better, or make you satiate something. But none of those things really do. So in living minimally, we're actually finding out our true values and it allows us to really do some soul searching.
1: Yes, I love that. I love how you said, um, you know, let's do decluttering. Do you really need this? Hundred pairs of shoes, hundred T-shirts, but at the same time as you were talking about books, right? If the hundred white T-shirts really make you happy after this soul searching that you've done, right? uh, After you've tried to declutter, or or, sure, keep the T-shirts, right? Or keep the books, whatever makes you happy. But when you have less stuff in your life, you will actually be able to tell from the stuff that is just stuff. Uh, and make the difference with the stuff that actually matters to you maybe it's plants right maybe you're a plant mom maybe you're a cat mom uh, just just um, but yeah the less stuff you have in your life the more clear it is what it's really important to you I think
2: yeah So for me like in 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 simplifying my life and decluttering everything I actually realized that I had new hobbies so instead of going shopping every weekend or mindlessly scrolling on my, um, on my iPhone and looking at social media, I found new hobbies to entertain myself because I realized it wasn't those things that were making me happy. So now instead of shopping, I go to the beach with my daughter. We go every weekend instead of mindlessly scrolling, we go for a bushwalk. And in those things, we've accumulated slightly more things. So we have beach towels, we have hiking shoes, and those are new things we have acquired, but we love them and we appreciate them and we use them. And those hobbies have replaced, you know, really toxic habits that we had before.
1: Exactly. And I I saw another very interesting thing, um, you know, in your writing, on your Instagram, you said that you strive to be a new type of an environmentalist, the everyday activist. Uh, Can you tell me what it means to you and how you kind of uh, arrived at this definition of yourself?
2: Yeah, so an everyday activist is a person just like you and me, who wants to make a change in the world by making small steps, cumulatively, which make a big difference in the long run. So I'll give an example that we often hear about, which is, you know, the plastic straw. Often we think, oh, what's one plastic straw going to do? There's already millions out there. But by you saying no to that one plastic straw, and if you do this for every day of the year, that's 365 plastic straws that you're refusing. If you then share this ripple effect and lead by example and others do it, Think of how much a difference that would make if 8 billion of us refused plastic straws and instead chose reusable options or just simply used our mouths, you know, whatever it may be. It's these small changes which make you an everyday activist and the cumulative effect has a longer and much more impactful, um, you know, resonance towards the whole environmental movement in the long run. So that's what an everyday activist is. It's all these small changes and you can start today. And that's why both my books are 30-day guides because it's a, a, it's, a, it's a gentle approach to start making these small changes. And then at the end of which, it's going to be a huge shift in your perspective, in your mindset, and also a huge improvement in the way you feel. And also you save money as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, Win, 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 for sure. Well, um, it's a great uh, kind of ending to our conversation. But before I let you go, I love to always end on a positive note, right? We love to ask our guests uh, this question. What excites you the most about the ethical, sustainable, zero waste movements right now?
2: Well, the thing I love about it now is that sustainability is becoming sexy. You know, like I think that many, you know, millennials and younger people are coming into the movement because it's no longer just about some, you know, hippie living in off the grid, hard. you know, wearing hemp clothing. Sustainability is sexy now. It's about looking good, feeling good and doing good as well. And that's what's really exciting me.
1: I love it. You are absolutely right. Um, with Brightly, we've been saying that um, you know, for a few years. Uh, I mean, I've, uh, was it a fair trade company before for many years? And like, you know, every year I felt like we're saying that, oh, it's the year of sustainability. It's the year of sustainability. And then 2020, I think, happened and the pandemic really put it up front for everyone to see. Um, but yeah, there's... Every single brand I'm seeing, there are, uh, you know, most of them are actually genuine about their sustainability efforts. There's so many amazing, cool, sexy looking products out there now. And what excites me as a marketer or as a sustainability champion is that the more sexier we make this sustainability look like these products, the easiest the easier will it be for everyone on the planet to make this small steps so toward minimalism, zero waste, and sustainable living overall. Uh, Well, Anita, tell our listeners where they can find you and your books as well.
2: Yeah. So I have two books, A Zero Waste Life, which is available on um, most good uh, retailers and A Zero Waste Family, which is my newest book with with more tips just aimed for families, but it can be a small family or a large family, whatever suits you. And also you can find me at um, rocket underscore science on Instagram with some daily tips. So hope to see you there.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Anita. It was great to connect with you and have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for joining joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our Facebook group.
0: Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on brightly.eco
1: slash podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally,
0: we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.